recently unlicensed a parent. Moms forget how much they love their spouse when the children come along because they carried the babies, the bio babies, right? They carried them in their womb for nine months or more and then birthed these children and have nurtured them day in and day out for all this time. And how in the world could that have come in between the relationship of the spouses? But it does. It can, doesn't always, but that's where I tell them to go first. Renew your acquaintance with the person you're married with. Work on your marriage and don't point the finger. It's not anybody's fault that this has come to this. It's just where you are. That was Holly Hunter, founder of Safe Passage Global. You'll hear more today on Licensed to Parent. Hi, I'm glad you joined us for another episode of Licensed to Parent, the radio outreach of Shepherds Hill Academy. Shepherds Hill is a year-long Christ-centered residential program for teens in crisis. Our host, Trace Embry, is the founder and executive director of Shepherds Hill and also the author of The Miracles of Shepherds Hill. I'm Michelle Hill. Our goal on Licensed to Parent is to take what we're learning each day at Shepherd's Hill and share it with you so that you can be better prepared to raise your kids in a way that honors God. And today we are continuing our conversation with Holly Hunter. Holly has been transporting troubled teens to therapeutic schools and programs across the country through Safe Passage Global, which she founded. And a little bit of background on Holly is that she has been a private investigator for more than 20 years. She holds certifications in crisis manager intervention, uh, Christian life coaching. Holly is also a certified mental health coach, first responder. And that's just the beginning of the list. Welcome back to Licensed to Parent, Holly. Thank you. It's good to be back. Hey, listen, last time we were talking about some of the stereotypes that uh, uh, programs and, and organizations like yours and, uh, and ours have to endure, um, largely because, you know, <laughs> uh, kids have access to the Internet and they can say pretty much anything they want to say and people will believe it. Uh, what are some of the most common misconceptions or presuppositions about agencies like Safe Passage Global? I think probably the most common misconception is that we don't care. And for whatever reason, there's names and labels that are put on the whole idea of transporting kids to treatment because it's just something we can do and we just do it. But that's really just not true. The bottom line, Trace, is that we work with a very small amount of kids that go need to help getting to treatment. If you think about it like this, um, there's been some recent research that's come out that says that 47% of kids that go to wilderness are accompanied by a transport company to get them there. So wow. that means that almost half of the kids that go to wilderness, their parents know that they're not going to be able to get them there, but they are desperate for their kids to get the help they need. So they are relying on a professional company to help them arrive there safely and in a place of acceptance for the opportunity that the parents are providing for them. Now, with regard to residential treatment, 11% of those kids are accompanied to treatment because that's the, the numbers. 
So you're talking about 89% of kids that are going to residential, their parents are accompanying them there, which is great because that means they're one step closer to that road to healing Mm -hmm. with the family going together for this new opportunity. I think Shepherdsville would be an exception to that. I think we're we're closer to the other other percentage. You're closer to the... Well, and and this is, again, overall, Mm -hmm. okay? So this takes into account if you're classified as residential. So it it doesn't mean that it has to be the more restrictive. Right, you do. You do have the outdoor component. So bottom line here, parents know that they've got troubles. They're looking for solutions. And that's what we're here for, to help provide solutions. And for me personally, if my solution for you as a parent that we've had a conversation and that's enough for you, great. I'm glad I could help to that degree. If you need us full service, so to say, to go to help you from point A to point B with your child, then that's wonderful as well. Yeah. Well, you know, some of the more common fears I hear from parents and other people about residential care, and I assume this would be congruent with your your situation, is abuse and being hurt or killed and you know harmed and just traumatized, basically. Um, but but think about this: even figuring it all up in per capita terms. Percentage-wise, how many more kids are abused, hurt, and or killed in public schools and school buses than in therapeutic residential treatment programs and transport services like Safe Passage? I I just don't have an answer for you, Trace. My heart is so heavy when you start talking that way because I know that the numbers must be staggering. Yeah, and, and the thing about it is, I've never heard of anyone shooting up a residential program. You know, where where could they possibly be safer than with professional people from point A to point B, or uh, one year in a in a place where they've got uh, just a a very highly regulated, regimented oversight? Right. I don't know. I don't think they would be safer anywhere else. I will say that. Um, everybody makes mistakes. And we're not talking about just parents or staff at residential treatment or wilderness. And there are, sadly to say, there are occasions where kids have died in treatment. That is not to say there is not a pathway for treatment or that there shouldn't be or that treatment, all involuntary treatment should be shut down. They've died in hospitals, they've totally. died in churches, they've died in their public schools. I mean, why, why can't more people see past that smokescreen? Because I think that's exactly what it is. It's a smokescreen created by naysayers to support what they want. Mm-hmm. But I think that what we have to do is realize that there are still kids out there, young adults out there, older adults out there who still need treatment, who still need help. And so we need to find a way to support them in making the good decision to get help. Maybe the first time around we can't get it right. Maybe the second time around we can get a little more there. And maybe by the time that they continue the process, then they're getting where they need to be. But we run the risk, and there's a huge risk, 
And it's not just, it does apply to, to teens primarily, but also applies to adults. We run the risk that if we do not take charge of our kids as parents, and like you said before, train them in the way that they should go, they're going to run away. Most of the kids who are troubled that we work with, we find out that they've got an alternative lifestyle that they're living or planning to jump into. And it is just a fact. We have a lot of um, research in-house that comes from the reports that we receive from our teams when they're in the field. And they talk with the kids. They help them understand what's going on. But the kids just open up to us. They know that they can trust us by the way we treat them, by the way that their parents have passed that trust on to us. And the kids tell us, we knew you were coming. We should have just run away. We were going to do that. Or we, you know, I was ready to go because I didn't want to go to wilderness. Mm. I'll tell you what I've discovered as being the greatest risk is taking no risk. Mm. I mean, you, you, you risk things when you walk out your front door, Mm you, 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 you take a risk putting one foot in front of the other. You exercise faith that that other foot's going to carry you. I mean, I, I think we, we've become such an idealistic society that we think that our kids should go to school in bubble wrap and that there is no risk and that to, to, to bring the slightest degree of risk into, the, into an equation is borderline child abuse. Play football, play ice hockey, play, I mean, whatever you're doing, there are risks in life. And I think parents need to look at the fact that there are very often greater risks in always doing what you have always done because you are always going to get what you always got when you do that. And this requires thinking outside the box a little bit, but these are people by and large who are trained to do what they do and have a pretty good success rate in doing what they do. Right. I just don't, I don't, I don't, I don't see where the real risk is in the grander scheme of things when juniors poking holes in the wall, overdosing every third week, uh, or any number of other things. And I'm just trying to to paint a picture here to, to, to bring some, what used to be called common sense into the equation. Right. And I agree with you. I, I would say, do we need to have a conversation risk versus neglect? Because if risk, if taking the risk to go to treatment can be viewed as abuse, then certainly doing nothing has to be viewed as neglect. So mm-hmm. in that, you know, we've got to figure out how to balance and bring that together for parents who are scared because it is a scary proposition to do something I never did before. Mm-hmm. I don't care what it, what it is. Mm-hmm. It, so it comes with fear. And that's where we work with parents to alleviate the fear, give them as much information as they can so they can process what to do, how to do, and how to move forward. So with that, I think that we ha- if you're going to have the conversation of abuse, you have to have the conversation of neglect. Amen. Our guest today on Licensed to Parent is Holly Hunter with Safe Passage Global. And we are talking about getting help for teens and their parents. And if you want to learn more about Safe Passage Global, go to safepassageglobal.com. We'll be back with more Licensed to Parent right after this.
Shepherd's Hill Academy, a year-long Christ-centered residential program for teens in crisis, is celebrating 20 years of ministry. There have been many distractions in our work through the years as a result of a four-lane highway that divided our land. As a result, plans are underway to develop a whole new campus designed to improve our students' therapeutic experience away from the highway noise, along with up-to-date infrastructure and staff offices, all to help smooth out the day-to-day operations. The five-year, two-phase plan will begin with a new dining hall, followed by two new school buildings, also containing a new studio for licensed to parent. Please consider partnering with us, building together a new and improved Shepherd's Hill Academy. Learn more and make your gift today. Shepherdshillacademy.org slash building together. That's shepherdshillacademy.org slash building together. And thanks for helping us provide healing to teens in crisis. Hi folks, Trace Embry here, host of the Licensed to Parent broadcast and founder of Shepherd's Hill Academy. We've all heard about modern day miracles, mostly from mission fields. Frankly, I believed about half of them and experienced none of them until about 30 years ago. Christ truly became the Lord of my life. The Miracles of Shepherd's Hill is a book that wasn't written as much as it was recorded. It's the true story of how God used a handshake, my family's last $200, and our 30-year odyssey of bumper-to-bumper miracles to acquire a 60-acre farm that was used by the devil and turned it into a 250-acre globally recognized healing ministry for God. I want all people to know that Jesus Christ is still in the miracle-working business for those submitted to his word, will, and way, and who properly understand what faith truly is. The Miracles of Shepherd's Hill, an extraordinary odyssey of divine interventions by Trace Embry. Learn more at LicensedToParent.org. Welcome back to Licensed to Parent, the radio outreach of Shepherd's Hill Academy. Shepherd's Hill is a nature-based therapy program for teens in crisis. Our guest today is Holly Hunter, and she helps parents by getting hurting and angry teens to a place of healing. Well, to this point, I, I, I don't want it to look like we're trying to sell what we do to people who don't need it. I mean, that, that's that's not what we're trying to do. Our, our goal is to get kids and parents together, reconnected back in their homes. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes that's just not possible. Uh, and, and what we deal with is the impossible. <laughs> that's how I look at it. Right. Uh, so, Holly, when should a parent seriously consider transport rather than transporting junior themselves? That's a great question, Trace. I think that the answer, the best answer, is that I think transport should be a component of every conversation of parents looking to send their child to residential treatment, either whether it's short-term or long-term, wilderness or, you know, residential care for a year or more, then I think that that's a viable conversation to have with it. And I say it that way because... Every family situation is different. Yes, it's always best if parents can transport their kids to treatment together because the road to healing starts sooner. But is it the right thing to do? Mm. Not necessarily in every family situation. I want to say it that way because so many parents that we talk to just say, well, I can do this myself, and they hang up the phone. But let me just say that 
I have not kept track of how many times the parents called me from the drive-through where they stopped to get some breakfast along mm-hmm. the way, and their kids started screaming that they'd been kidnapped, mm-hmm. and the police arrested everybody, and they're calling me from the jail. Yeah. So there are there are things to consider that need to be considered with clear heads and clear minds, and then decisions made. We don't try to talk parents into anything here. We just put it out there and let you decide for yourself mm-hmm. what's right for you and your family. I don't call people back every hour to say, did you make up your mind? The flights are getting full. No, we don't do it that way here. Mm. We deal with people who can make intelligent decisions when given information. And that's how we look at it. That's what we train to in this office. Amen. So what should a parent be looking for when choosing a transport service? The right one. I think what they need to ask is the questions that don't get asked. Do you have insurance? How do you train your teams? And the Mm -hmm. reason some of these things don't get asked is because people call us when they're in crisis. You don't plan for this. Mm -hmm. You don't go to college and people say, oh, be sure to start that uh, financial fund for your kid who's going to need to go to treatment after you have kids in 25 years. Nobody talks about that. So it's not like you are thinking about this in advance. So when we get the calls, most of the time they're in crisis and we need help today for tomorrow placement. And that's why the right questions aren't answered. But what can happen is parent can at least say, where's your website? And people that do transport who are reputable don't have a problem putting it on their website that we are bonded, licensed, insured. We are here, and there's not much licensing available. So if you've got a transport company that says that there's there's licensing with that company, make them tell you how. Because there's no national standard, and there's only standards in two states, unless you're structured like I am as a private detective company, and we're licensed here in Georgia, and we are bound to answer to the state board here. Now, Mm -hmm. Holly, how do you train your team? Like you mentioned training. What does that look like? How do we train? We have written SOPs, that's standards of practice, that our teams adhere to. We have a written code of ethics. We sit down a couple of times a year, and you don't go out in the field unless you've jumped through all the hoops that I have set up. It's just how we do it. Mm -hmm. So it's it's a lot of one-on-one. It's a lot of group training but it's hands-on. Do you consider safe passage a ministry? I know the answer to this. Yes. I think that when you're called to to do something, when you answer that prodding of the Holy Spirit and the divine intervention that God puts on your heart, Mm -hmm. that's when things become a ministry. Mm -hmm. It doesn't mean that necessarily you have to witness to every child that comes along, but it does mean that perhaps you're equipped to if that comes up. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's really where we are as an organization and the people that uh, do transport for me, I think that they are equipped in that way. But like I said, it's not that we set out to make converts, mm. but by our actions, we're known. You know, Holly, it seems that you and your team are on the beginning stages of this journey of healing for the teens and for their families. Mm-hmm. What does success look like for you guys? That's interesting that you ask it that way. 
because success is, is gauged differently for us. Yeah. Success is bringing the child where they need to go and arriving mm-hmm. where they need to go. Once we deliver a child and they're signed over to the receiving program, we, by law, cannot have any contact with that child anymore until, unless the parent signs us in again for something else. Um, our time with that child is from the time we meet them until the time we deliver them. And that's it. We, by law, federal law says that's privacy from here forward because they're minors. So we only have a very limited window of opportunity from which to offer some positive influence and undergird them in a positive way about the choice that's been made in their behalf. Well, here's a question I'm asked all the time, and I'm going to go ahead and throw it out to you. What percentage of kids would you say that regret that their parents called, as some people call it, the goon squad? I think the 22 years we've been here, I've asked uh, kids, and I bet you 1% would say that they regret that their parents, because the common answer that that I get is, I never would have got here if they didn't call transport. And so... uh, you know, if you would have asked them that two days after they got here or a week after they got here, they would have said, oh, it was the most horrible experience of my life. But it, it, it doesn't take long for them to look you straight in the face and say, look, that was probably the smartest decision my parents ever made. Right. And let me, let me address that because I think where I was trying to go was with the whole terminology of goon squad. Those of us that are righteous in what we do, that are... Uh, setting up our own self-governance organization and being in compliance with one another on certain important factors like insurance and SOPs and code of ethics, do not like to hear the term goon squad because that associates us with the ones who are not doing this correctly. We work extra hard on training. We make sure that we're doing gender-specific transports. We make sure that these kids are taken care of, that they're given food and bathroom breaks in appropriate intervals, that we are seeing to their needs, whatever those needs are to the very best of our abilities. And I run into you at these conferences for that training, so I know you're out there doing it. You're you're, you're constantly looking at best practices. We are looking to improve every single time. But so if we can ask the kids, would you have come if you weren't transported? That'd be great. Rather than throwing in that terminology of goon squad, we'd like mm-hmm. to, you know, hear less of that term because we, this, this we is not part of that group. Mm-hmm. We don't force kids to do. Yeah. We help them understand the importance of the decision that's been made for them. Holly, we're winding down another program here and I, I, I regret to say, but, um, <laughs> Why is the cost, this is, I'm embarrassed when I have to tell people what what the tuition is at Shepherd's Hill. Why is the cost of residential care so outlandish uh, and and why is the the transport so high? Insurance is a big factor. Mm -hmm. Second, with transport, we don't have um, any way for parents to get subsidized through the insurance companies for uh, reimbursement for the cost of transport. If you want a transport company who's just going to throw your kid in the back of the car and drive them where they need to go for 500 bucks or, or less, then that's on you. But if you want someone who's going to treat your child with dignity and respect and take care of them and prepare them for the opportunity that as a parent, what you are providing for them, 
then you need to be prepared to pay what the transport company is asking. Because if we're doing the training and we're absorbing the insurance costs, it costs money in return. I'm not sitting on the beach somewhere talking to you, Trace. I'm talking to you from my home where I work because I can't afford an office because there's just not that much profit margin in what we do. I would rather do what I do well Mm -hmm. and still have a mortgage than be sitting in the Taj Mahal and then trying to charge somebody for it accordingly. Well, let me ask you this. Uh, uh, Do you have any stats or are there any stats that would support the idea that housing a troubled teen at home could very possibly be even more costly than sending him to treatment? And what would be some factors uh, to consider? Uh, Like, I'm thinking food, power, gas, school, legal fees, repairs, doctor bills, time away from work, lost wages, and and a future return on investment. Because this, as crass as this might sound, if Junior is spending the rest of his life in prison, uh, there goes any chance uh, uh, that that he might be... uh, uh, part of supporting you in your senior years? I think that, first of all, I don't think we have kids to support us in our senior years. I think we have kids, you know, if if this is what, if that's where it's going. I don't think that it is uh, viable to keep a troubled kid at home. They're troubled because of something that's gone on in their life or something that's going on in the family unit and they need help beyond the boundaries of the family unit, then they need to get that help. Mm. Sometimes it works to keep them at home, but I don't think that that is viable to believe that every kid is going to fall into that category. Yeah. Well, last question quickly. How cooperative are police with agencies like Safe Passage? It depends. Um, We... We get a lot of cooperation in some instances. And I'll say it that way because every instance is different. Every law enforcement entity is different in the way that they train. And it's very apparent that many law enforcement entities simply do not know their state laws. But the bottom line is when law enforcement gets involved, they supersede any authority we have, and then we cannot go against whatever law enforcement says. Yeah. Well, if coming from a former law enforcement officer, I can tell you that uh, there's a, a much different mindset in the millennial age officers that are now, you know, largely doing the job. And um, uh, it's very often uh, sympathetic with things that just aren't congruent with a, a biblical worldview or common sense sometimes. I mean, again, that's coming from a, from a guy who used to do it. Well, Holly, we are out of time. Uh, I'm so grateful that you uh, would so openly share a lot of these things, and I, I hope it uh, it brought some um, some insight to, to some families and things mm-hmm. to be thinking about who may uh, who may very well need what you do. Mm-hmm. So thank you for being with us. Thank you so much for letting me be on your show, Trace. It's just been my pleasure to be with you today. Our guest today on Licensed Apparent has been Holly Hunter with Safe Passage Global. You can connect with Holly and her team at safepassageglobal.com. Thanks for listening to Licensed Apparent. Licensed Apparent is an extension of Shepherds Hill Academy, our year-long Christ-centered wilderness-based residential program for troubled teens. If you need help with your troubled teen, learn more about Shepherds Hill when you visit licensedapparent.org. 
Also, while you're at licensedapparent.org, sign up for Trace Embry's free ebook, America's Youth Culture Manifesto. Thanks to our team for making today possible. Daniel Fazina helps with guest relations. Our producer is Rich Rosel. Carl Peets is our technical producer. For Trace Embry, I'm Michelle Hill, inviting you to join us again next time to renew your license to parents. And remember, folks, if you don't train your children, somebody else will. God bless you. See you next time. <laughs>